0: And welcome to BakaCast, episode number 393, I believe? Yes, that sounds correct. Yes. Yeah. I am your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Yeah,
1: this is the uh, happy birthday Dustin birthday version of BakaCast.
0: Yes, we are recording this actually exactly on my birthday who knows when i'll actually upload it but the recording is getting done before christmas uh, on my birthday which means which means i can slack off more than i usually do because i have (laughs) birthday privilege (laughs) Uh, also with me is ben (laughs) you be you dusty you be you (laughs) Uh, and as always, you can find show notes at projectharuhi.net <laughs> Project or audioentropy.com. Uh, and we will start this review session with Fruits Basket episodes 20 through 22. I am desperately trying to remember <clears throat> what the heck episode 20. And 21 were about. I know, oh 20. wait, I know one of them contained
1: 20 is Hero. The
0: worst child. Oh,
1: <laughs> 20 is hero, H- was, hero. Hero was
0: awful. Hero is Screw 20. Screw that guy.
1: Hero is 20. Prince Yuki is 21.
0: And then Hajime
1: is 22.
0: Okay. Yeah, so t- 21 and 22 were good. Mm-hmm. 20 was awful. <laughs> like, yeah, I, was, I get what. I was rooting for Kyo to just punch that kid out. Oh yeah, you like you understand intellectually intellectually why in universe Kyo can't just beat that child sens- senseless, but also you really want him to.
1: Well, it just uh, just tells you how far off wired the Soma family really is.
0: And like, I get what they were trying to do with that character, but I know the the show has like a weird thing where with some of their side characters, they'll just introduce them as, like, horribly annoying or just incredibly mean just right from the outset. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they'll spend the rest of the episode trying to say, oh, but they have a reason for being this way, and then Toru will fix them. But, like, you already just don't like them and don't really care if they get redeemed. (laughs) Because, honestly, like, I... I don't want them to show up again well, that was a pretty... And that's the case with this guy well, It's a pretty I don't... Sh- Go ahead I don't care if he shows up again So I honestly don't care if Toru helps him out
1: well, It's a pretty sheep shop And it was pretty bad all the way around
0: <laughs> Ah, dang it Larry <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah But yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to say About episode 20 other than like I hope I never see that child again
1: Okay.
0: Uh, <coughs> mean, meanwhile, we have episode twenty one and twenty two, uh, and even though twenty one does like have, uh, heavily feature the like Prince Yuki fan club, twenty one is kind of like a stealth is, is stealthily like basically about Hanajima, and then twenty two is explicitly about Hanajima. <laughs> and Hanajima and yo,
2: Hanajima is my absolute favorite character In the show
0: Hanajima is good Also Aaron has just joined the call um, He's not recording right now So you can't hear him Dear audience But he's here He's probably going to if you feel, uh, Try and mess up this recording Because it's my birthday And that's what Aaron does on my birthday if you feel, tries to make my life miserable If you feel a disturbance <laughs> to the force Uh, I think it was two birthdays ago where Aaron was like, hey, I got you a present, and it was the uh, Hatterful Boyfriend body pillow cover, (laughs) I seem to recall. Uh, If you you want more insight into what my relationship is with my best friend...
1: Well, you know,
0: it beats the Life side Saber because it wouldn't fit in the box. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so yeah, um, episode 21 and 22. um, Episode 21 is a more comedic episode uh, where the Prince Yuki fan club members basically visit Hanajima's house to try and like I don't know, I, I can't remember what their goal is. They're uh, trying. Well, they're trying to find
1: out what so, Toro's thing is with with uh, Yuki, and then bust them up. And they figure they got oh, right. to her, they gotta yeah. get to her through Hajime.
0: Yeah, but but they what they don't realize is that Hanajima also has an amazing younger brother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who is the best younger brother to ever exist. <laughs> oh yeah, megami. I, uh, he's I he's so good. Um, they've got kind of an Adams family thing going on, which is funny because like their mother and father are completely normal.
1: Yeah, but hmm. mom and dad realize that uh, the daughter's kind of a little problematic, and they're accepting the son keeping his sister company. So yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, there's not it's you know yeah, and she what does I finally inter- break out of the black mold, sort of.
0: What I find interesting about episode twenty-two is specifically because twenty-two goes more into Hanajima's like uh, childhood and and backstory. But like maybe I should have shouldn't have been surprised because like the show already features um, like people who turn into animals when they're touched by the opposite sex. But for some reason, I was I. I didn't rem- I didn't remember that Hanjima's powers are actually canonically witchcraft. Yeah. Like right. Like, like that's just a thing that actually exists in this universe and I was surprised by that. Yeah, that's like yeah, cuz like
2: for the longest time I thought okay, you know, her like her wave thing, I thought that was just like a, you know, a cute little quirk of her personality. No,
0: no, she actually has psychic powers. <laughs> yeah, she can literally curse people. It's not just, <laughs> it's not just like a superstition or just like a, 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 like, she's not just Chunibyo. She can actually cast curses on people and like read minds, basically. she's not to telepathic, killing, but she can and, read intent.
1: Yes, and, and, and come close to killing people with just a glance.
0: Yes, she could, she
1: has power word kill. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and it's like, I don't know why, I think maybe because the whole people, like, f- people turning into animals thing is, like, uh, sort of confined to one family, it's kind of goofy Maybe that's why I thought that, that was the only supernatural thing that could possibly exist in this world, but for, some, but for some reason, I was just very surprised that witchcraft also exists. But now that I think about yeah. it, I mean, yeah, people can turn into animals, even if it's that one specific family. I mean, they were cursed. Like that is that they explicitly call it a curse, so I would imagine other curses exist. Yeah, so when I think about it logically like of course Hanajima's powers would be real. Wasn't expecting it, but it, on further reflection
2: it scans. I'll go with yeah. it. Yeah. Uh
0: but yeah, unfortunately uh life sucks out there for a young witch um and uh Han- Hanajima's childhood was was not uh was not fun. Uh <laughs> including a <laughs> Man, this uh this show does not have a great opinion of children in general, it feels. Because, like, uh, there sure are a lot of very evil children in this show. Um, uh, including also, also very stupid children. Because you think about it, yeah. okay, like,
2: alright, so you get these kids who know, who, who, like, who know that she can curse them to death, and yet they continue to mess with her?
0: Are they really that confident of her mercy and her yeah. kindness? Yeah, and especially and, the girls who like pin her down to her desk and then like uh like put a match to her arm. It's like what are you trying to do exactly? Oh, let's, see, there, the was,
2: let's see there was the, the boys uh, let's see the boys who tried to make her eat a live newt. Well,
1: there was that it, you, we we were burning the witch at the stake. We just didn't have a stake.
0: Yeah, it's. I know it's, it's like, man, you guys sure are tempting fate, huh?
1: Ooh, yes. Yeah that that episode was a little tough to watch when it started getting into the excessive man. bullying.
0: Yeah, it, it it does make you realize though that like Hanajima is almost like a. Uh, an introvert version of Toru in that both of them are highly non-confrontational and also quick to place blame on themselves Uh, but Toru is exceptionally extroverted whereas Hanajima just prefers to shut down and like stay inside her room and not talk to people Um, so they're, they're actually very similar in how they handle conflict. They just have, just one's an extreme extrovert and the other is an extreme introvert. So it was kind of interesting to see, you know, oh yeah, of course they became friends. (laughs) Well,
1: of course. Yes. Hello,
0: dog. Well, my dogs are barking. Nice.
1: Well, if your dogs are barking, kick the shoes off. Uh, uh, uh. It's gonna
0: close my door. (laughs) Uh, just, but yeah, episode twenty one and twenty two of Fruits Baskets. Very good. I enjoyed them a lot.
1: I, I, on the scoring I'm going to give twenty a three, twenty-one a four, and twenty-two a five.
0: <laughs> Though it is kinda of funny that like this trio episode had the uh, episodes had the uh running theme of kids who aren't the main characters characters of this show kinda of suck. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: it gives extra new dimension.
0: Uh anyway, I agree with Larry. I agree with Larry's rating. All right. Uh yeah, I'm I'm going to give I I think I I didn't give my rating. I just no. totally forgot. Um I'll give episode 20 a 1. I could not stand that episode. Um I'll give 21 and 22 fives though. Okay. Um, well, I thought the let, I thought the Prince Yuki Club went just a tad
1: overboard, but that's why I give it a four.
0: Yeah, uh, there were there were enough like really good jokes with Hanajima and her brother that I didn't
1: actually. Really you know mind.
0: what? I would give twenty one a five instead of four. I because all right, I didn't I didn't really have to do much convincing to you. For, for that no, time. I was uh... well, I'm
1: I'm going to be stubbornly steadfast in my four.
0: That's fine. That's good. That's it's a difference play. of 1. I don't it's I don't don't think our audience will uh that's, get too mad. Nah. Um let's talk about well I guess you guys can talk about Carol on Tuesday. I still have not gone back to that show. I'm sure I will eventually. I just don't care right now.
1: Well, I come to find out that it didn't kill uh her boyfriend. But Oh, she, that's good. But he doesn't want anything to do with her anymore.
2: It wasn't her boyfriend, or except, well, uh,
1: except in his own mind. Well, so, um, this, but, is inter- this is interesting. Mom's political views sure sound like political views I've heard before. The handler that's handling mom is Valerie, in this case, is, um, and then, uh, Tao's little secret and uh, <clears throat> that producer of theirs. Uh, yeah, well, this was this was a pretty run-on montage. Uh yeah, there were a lot of plot threads
2: in these episodes. Uh you know, because okay, because they're following like, okay, Carolyn Tuesday's you know, Carol and Tuesday they're working on their they're working on their album. They uh they do a they perf- they perform a set at Sidonia, which goes over well, and they're even
0: nominated for a Grammy for best new artist. How many weird flesh monsters do they encounter? Now it's <laughs> D- right, different Sidonia. So- <laughs> No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: he's knighting of Sidonia.
0: The birthday okay. being the birthday I got that re- I got that reference. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I it, worried, Like, I really hope they remember that Knights of Sidonia was a thing that happened. Uh, yeah, well, they yeah. they spell it differently, so it yeah. The oh, yeah. A C. I'm guessing I
2: A. It's C Y instead of S I, so totally different
0: Sidonia. Uh, yeah, like like the like the Muse song. Yeah. Um. Well,
2: yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Angela. Well, Angela has to deal with like a, mon- uh, you know, a different kind of uh, a different a different kind of uh, set of monsters. Uh. Like yeah, Mic- Mama. which, uh, yeah. Well. Yeah, well, yeah. At the end of episode, uh, let's see. At the end of episode twenty, at the epi- end of episode twenty, she has a fight with uh, has a fight with her mom, and then her mom just collapses with a heart attack.
1: Yeah, I think she's dropped dead because she didn't bounce twice.
2: Well, earlier in the episode, earlier in the episode, they foreshadowed it with her, like you know, showing Collecting some, uh, yes, yeah, sounds- showing some health problems. Not that she looked terribly healthy, like for the like, uh, you know, for the rest of the show. Uh, but, okay, but that okay, was so that Ta- was
1: well. Tao got himself arrested for well. Tao wouldn't agree to turn his AI over for political gain, so um, he got himself arrested by being uh, being stalwart and forthright and. So Angela could compete and continue. Tao created an AI in her appearance and said, here, learn from yourself. <laughs> and that's what started the fight between Angela and her mom was mom saying, you, you're not complete. The AI's is complete. Do what the AI tells you to do. And she told her to <clears throat> sit on a fence post and spin rapidly. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you like that? You know, like I...
2: co Yeah, I think, actually, what... It's kind of... that's one of the... This is actually one of the strengths of the series. I think Angela is shaping up to be, like, the best kind of rival character.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know? You know, she isn't... Angela, you know, she isn't petty. She doesn't do... You know, she doesn't do tricks. She just, like, tries to be her best self. Uh,
1: yeah, she's she's getting direct, run directed in so many different directions when she finally becomes angela and whatever everybody thinks she should be that should be interesting airtigon that was interesting i he somehow managed to get over being stripped naked and broke and came back to be airtigon uh okay. yeah
2: <clears throat> yeah at the at the sidonia festival uh Erdogan uh, does it, he actually, uh, he does a, he does a, he does a song with, uh, with Angela, and it,
1: it's, it, It it's quite good. Yeah. Well, he wrote the song for her to sing so he could regain his fame, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, the, uh, we should go back and uh, say there's a little incident, I think it was in, Nineteen, where the uh, plant that controls the weather on Mars or that section of Mars blew up and it started oh.
0: snowing and doing all sorts of interesting things. Yeah. Oh, so we're actually getting backstory on how Mars exists. Well, nice. okay, well, it's and, great. And,
2: okay, so okay, let's so. Uh,
0: all right, the fill the, this out.
2: Well, yeah, well, the uh, the uh, oh, right. I have a, I have this I have this worked out uh <laughs> right, so the weather on Mars is controlled by these plants it so uh, Mechanical, alba city, not
1: vegetative.
2: yeah, alba yeah, so Alba City basically has this whole like has this has a basically has a building, a set of machines that control the weather in the city. and so Jerry sets a in order to in order to boost Valerie's campaign actually sets up a false flag operation where he bombs the plant and, uh, <clears throat> bombs the plant and blames it on immigrants.
1: Gee, where oh, were good. they before? <laughs> Something about yeah. Infestation no.
2: Right. And, <laughs> Yeah, so of course Valerie Valerie makes political hay political hay out of the bombing, which which uh, which uh, make makes the which makes the weather much much colder in Alba City. So it's actually snowing for the first time ever, mm-hmm. eh. and everybody yeah. have to yeah everybody have to you know bundle up and bundle up to stay warm. At least if they don't have climate controlled buildings.
1: Uh and then the the other side of that story is Tuesday's been talking to a re- reporter Kyle, who was originally going to try to dig up dirt on Valerie to uh schmear her, but got looking into this and realized that things were not as they seem, and so the last time that they're together talking, uh, Kyle mentions what he thinks Jerry did uh and Tuesday comes unglued around the seams.
2: Uh Oh yeah. So another thread, another thread. There's a lot of these threads working their way through. Is that uh, at the Sidonia festival, uh, Carol meets up with uh, an old friend from uh, her refugee camp back on Earth, it, who's become a ra- who's become a rapper named Ezekiel, and <clears throat> so she so she reconnects with them and. Ezekiel puts out, uh, and it turns out Ezekiel is also nominated for nominated for uh, best new artist Grammy, and but and he puts his he puts out a, he puts out a single which gets very political and oh, yeah. very incendiary. Uh huh. <clears throat> uh, and and is promptly arrested by uh, and is promptly arrested by. Uh, Martian
0: ice.
1: Yeah, that's not quite what You're they're Gonna be this. honest,
0: was not expecting Shinichiro Watanabe to touch on American police enforcement.
1: I I tell you what. Uh, and
0: it, immigration.
1: if you if you were to catch up with this, you would say that Watanabe has been thumbing through the newspapers for about the last three to five years, pulling out all the good stuff and then and then making a show around it and Carol and Tuesday happened the same,
0: yeah, Man, yeah, this show has changed since last I watched it, uh, yeah, yeah, when it's
2: like I think I think about the time when uh when Valerie's campaign was heating up and she was pushing her anti immigrant message, yeah that's uh <laughs> that's when things that's when things got real, huh,
1: um anyway, without going into a whole lot more detail, because that's basically almost an hour and a half worth of shows that I don't want to spend an hour and a half talking about. We have a, let's see, I guess you get you gave out the cliffhanger <clears throat> at the end of episode 20, which Dahlia laying thumped on the floor. And, uh, let see, what else? There was a uh, Yeah, like, so people, yeah, how is it? Uh, the- no, no, no. Well, Towel's in jail, but the important thing I remember right now at the very end is Tuesday's brother Spencer is talking to the reporter Kyle, and oh, that's right, Kyle's the one that showed Spencer Tuesday doesn't know anything about Jerry yet. Kyle showed Spencer what Jerry's been up to. Uh, and yeah,
2: another thing is that another thing, another thing to like about this show. Is that Tao is such an awesome character? Cause yeah,
1: he started out being a geek, but he's uh, he's actually uh... yeah, it, it like
2: yeah, cause, cause
1: uh, like
2: yeah, at one point Jerry Jerry comes to him. Jerry comes to him, you know, asking asking uh, Tao to basically you know provide his uh, provide his uh, his tech. Uh, to help the uh to help Valerie's campaign and tell like no <laughs> i'm staying out of politics um which yes he's totally right to do that
1: uh and yeah, which totally got his butt arrested yep
2: oh uh, yeah and well and also yeah then Tao gets uh actually Tal uh is you know has a meeting with uh, has a meeting with uh one of his his financial backers who turns Schwartz. out is also Is uh, backing Valerie's campaign, and and his financial backer is like the backers like leaning on him, leaning on him, trying to you know get him to help out the Valerie campaign. And Tao sticks to his guns, even even you know knowing that there is going to be the threat of legal a threat of legal action. You know, and he sticks to his guns. He's like, no, I'm not going to do this. And and after that he's properly arrested. He's like, okay, call my lawyer.
1: Yep. <laughs> so uh, and then and then the the last thing is again Toby sitting Toby the producer sitting there with the cowboy hat and the uh, high powered alcohol sitting there s- sipping it and looking at the girls. He goes, well, it took you thirty two takes, but you got it done right. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, that was for the third song on their album.
1: Yep. I don't know how many songs are going to be on this album, but they may spend their next ten years trying to record it if Toby has his way. <clears throat> um, I'm going to give an overall score for these. I'm going to call them a four. Yeah, I'm going to give
2: them all fours. This has been a pretty solid bunch of episodes.
1: Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Angela, if... Mama's actually has actually dropped dead on her how Angela handles all that and uh once uh Tuesday finds out what Spencer knows that uh Kyle told him about Jerry. that that all will mm-hmm. go over I go over like a
0: load of lead okay all right uh so let's now talk about uh uh, Dunball, uh, Dunbell Non Kilo Moteru Episodes 8 through 10 um, I didn't catch all the way up on this show uh, Just cause I was watching a bunch of Demon Slayer instead uh, <laughs> However I did watch episode 1 And I liked it a lot More than I was expecting I would um, So I'll probably uh, get around to Watching more um, Yeah I, I Was not expecting it to be as good as it was
1: well, uh, let's see. 8 we're doing a hill climb. And uh it has its own ups and downs, shall we say. Uh, I guess the biggest thing about 8 is where uh the two of them get separated from each other. Uh I'm trying to remember which two. Hibiki and uh it's a uh, Hibiki and the te- Hibiki and the Teacher uh get separated yeah, t- from the pack. Tashibana, Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, that episode and it's run in because Hibiki, Hibiki is a walking stomach and how she survives for any length of time without food is interesting to watch. Uh,
2: well, yeah she's actually got kind of a i mean okay given how much she eats she's uh i mean and given how much she eats the fact that she is only like moderately overweight uh is kind of a miracle
1: well that's because she's still young enough that her metabolism's running at warp six one of these yeah. days her metabolism will slow down and she will If she keeps eating the way she's eating, she will fill out rapidly. Well, she's also training hard,
2: so in a sense, uh, all the stuff she's eating is basically turning into, uh, is turning into strength. Yeah. And,
1: uh, the, uh... So we got, let's see, was Comrade Putin in this one, or was he in the next
0: one? You mean, wait, Comrade Poutine? Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hugging a bear, baby. Hugging a bear. Oh, oh my Lord. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is a pun right there. Uh, yeah,
2: Yeah, Zena yeah, makes uh, several
1: references to him in the show. Um. Okay, so we got done with the hill climb. Then we go to the next episode, which is the bodybuilders, and the bodybuilder is named Arnold. He, of course, he, he is. comes from America, and his one eye is red and glows. <laughs> but he will not show. say. He will not say. I'll be back. <laughs> but that bodybuilder competition was. Alright, I have to preface this. I had just... I was watching NHK and they just went through the, the uh, sumo matches and setting up the sumo card for the month of September. So I'm watching all these sumo matches. I turn around and turn Dumbbell on and Dumbbell has this bodybuilder. And I'm like, wait a minute, didn't I just watch this? On the, at least these guys have got a little mm-hmm. bit more clothing on. Nah. <clears throat> so yeah, the uh, the sumo... Excuse me. The bodybuilders were—that was something else. And of course, all the uh, all the females were like, "Oh, they're so cute." Uh, and then the final episode is Tachibana and company are going to a mixer, all looking for boyfriends.
2: Well. Well what that set well, well they set up a uh let's see that there's the uh, there, there was a uh, there was a raff there was a raffle at the gym for uh let's see uh for tickets to Disneyland. Yeah. And, and then they end up they end up going to Disneyland, uh they end up going to Disneyland, you know, looking for boyfriends and it doesn't work out. yeah although I find that kind of unrealistic in a way because
1: okay that, that's why I skipped that's why I skipped over that oh dusty just went funk oh well, let's keep talking because uh yeah continue okay. Back. Because,
2: all right, you take a girl, you take a girl like Hibiki. Uh Now, okay. Now, uh, okay, you got, okay, Akemi, Akemi basically, you know, I mean, she goes for guys like Machio. You know, but Hibiki, I mean, but I think Hibiki would be fine just, you know, uh, hooking up with, you know, just like your average high school jock.
1: Well, she was actually looking for a college guy. She was looking for something a little older and a little more stable.
2: She yeah, was thinking, I mean, she
1: was thinking. She was thinking a college guy would be um, more mature. That's the word I'm thinking
2: of. Yeah, even that, I think. She, I mean, with her, I mean, with her figure, and yeah. you know, and even her personality, I think she wouldn't. She shouldn't have. She shouldn't have that hard of a time fighting somebody. Unless she has very exacting standards. Which...
1: Uh, Well, if he can cook, she's got it made. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Hibiki's perfect guy would make, you know, barbecue and this and she'd be forever. If you believe... What you're seeing in the anime—that's <laughs> that, right. that's stereotyping, man. That's a lot. I mean, Akimi's perfect guy would be, you know, uh, Big Machio. <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, Tachibana. Uh, she would look for anything that's uh, alive and breathing. Uh, Ayaka would be um, somebody in the maybe a boxing, and Zena is into Comrade Putin. Done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Yeah. Well the the boy the boyfriend Christmas party, the last episode, where they all dress up. Tachibana lets herself go. Did you see that outfit she was poured into? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, poured into is the proper word to use that outfit she was wearing. Hmm. How so dusty yet. This could prove interesting, Ben. Uh-huh. I'm waiting for my phone to go bananas going. It's all bad. Oh, he can <laughs> edit this out.
2: Um Well. Well, okay. So let's switch up the order. Let's switch switch up the order because uh uh let's see. I don't believe uh, I don't believe that uh, Dusty has caught up on Grand Belm or
0: Copcraft
1: well, yet. Well, I guess who's back. Maybe. All right, thank God. Yeah, well, we're still. We're <laughs> st- I
0: had to go into command line and re- and release my IP and release my IP address. WTF over. I don't know why that's what did it.
1: All right. Well, we're still. But it
0: worked, so I'm not going to question.
1: We're we're just finishing up dumbbell. You can listen to what we got to say and edit out the snide comments when you do the editing. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give these episodes four. I'm gonna give these episodes fours. Yeah, I'm with you on I'm with you on the fours. Like I said, the I I have to admit Tachibana going overboard. Uh, And you know Tachibana as one thing as a support character, I didn't think she'd have a whole lot to say, but. She's got a lot to say in pretty much every episode. She they almost should have her tagged as a main.
2: Well, she, she she's uh she's pretty prominent in the in the opening and closing credits, so
1: yeah, and she's like I said, she's you know, I figured she would be the te- the teacher that I won't will say uh, you know, the side t- character. I mean, she she gets in there and, and, and goes for it, which and, Knowing who her voice actress is? Yeah. uh, Yeah. That all works. Anyway. um, (laughs) You guys can talk about Dr. Stone and the fire department, and then I'll catch up with you for grambling.
0: Yeah. So, let's talk about uh, Dr. Stone, episodes seven through nine. Uh, I really enjoyed these episodes, and one of the things that continually impresses me about doctor stone specifically uh is that it is a it's a very like optimistic show and a very like actually sympathetic and caring show when you get right down to it um because these episodes largely focus on, uh, it's Senku, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, largely focus on Senku interacting with, um, the, uh, uh, like the, the primitive people who had like, um, woken up before him and had had their own children. Now the children are growing up. Uh, and, Basically, like convincing them to join his kingdom of science, and one of the people he meets up with is this guy who has essentially taken uh scientific ideas and made them into like sorcery essentially uh to impress some of the other like uh villagers and what the show the direction the show could have gone and where I initially thought it was going to go was have Senku just humiliate this guy. And just be like, "Oh, you're you're a, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing here. Let you know, let me show you what real <laughs> science is." And it almost seems like it's going to do that, but then about midway through, as Sanku is like, "Oh yeah, I know what that is. I can do that too." Um, it turns from Sanku sort of like showing this guy up to Sanku going, "Hey, look." I'm really impressed that I'm really impressed and inspired that, you know, even with very little knowledge of these scientific concepts, like there are still crazy people out here who will, uh, like give these kinds who actually try this sort of thing and discover this, these sorts of concepts, like using various types of metals to make fire different colors. Um, and like I'm, I'm really impressed by you, and you give me hope for humanity, and just kind of turning it around to be like, no, this this person isn't meant to be mocked. Um, it actually gives Senku hope that no matter what happens, humanity is inevitably going to get back to the place it was before, because there are always going to be people who test limits. Uh, and it's kind of that boundless optimism of this show that makes it work, where otherwise I feel it would just be a kind of cynical power fantasy. Um. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. So. Uh, right. So the uh, so the guy, the proto scientist uh, in this village, is named Chrome, and yeah. So one of the things about. Okay, the road to the scientific revolution—one of the like intermediary stop, one of the intermediary stages of the progress of science—was empiricism, which was—I mean—a whole bunch of people, even though they didn't have—they didn't have a—they didn't have a theory of how all this stuff worked—they were still—they still tested things, and they still made observations. You know, even if they didn't have, even if they didn't have a full framework. And so, Chrome is at that stage of empiricism, even though he hasn't quite gotten all the way to science. And Senku, obviously aware of, is obviously aware of this and respects it. And I think, yeah, the relationship between Senku and Chrome is one of the great things about this show.
0: Yeah. Also, something I was not really expecting from Doctor Stone, but like, it has good female characters. There aren't a ton of them, um, but for a shonen show, it's a it's a pretty decent like ratio, uh, and all of them are really good. Like Yuziriha, Kohaku and Suika, who are the most prominent ones so far, are all very different characters and all very entertaining. <laughs> And adorable. Um, Yeah. Like, honestly, between Fire Force and Dr. Stone, which were, like, the two major shonen shows that debuted uh, this season, I was not expecting Dr. Stone to be the one not only with better female representation, but also way better treatment of its female characters. (laughs) Like... Kohaku is, you know, part of the more primitive villagers, but like she's still intelligent and she's very good at combat. Like she's the she's the best at combat so far of the kingdom of, of science. Yeah, basically so, yeah, I think it's... the
1: only
2: one the only the only one who could really beat her is uh well, Sukasa. Sukasa.
0: <laughs> but also like Sukasa's whole thing is he is the strongest. So Yeah. He's the he's the big boss character. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right. So Sorry. That, go
2: ahead. So that was episode seven. In episode eight, Senku makes ramen.
0: This was such a good episode because <laughs> they're like, okay, well, we have to convince people to join the kingdom of science, but for a lot of these people, like, they're not going to be necessarily convinced by just the philosophical idea that science in it in and of itself is is a good for humanity like you're gonna need to like convince them what can science do for them so uh senku basically has i think it's suika do some reconnaissance and be like hey figure out for me what these villagers want (laughs) um and the idea and the the idea he sells on is like okay Well, right now, food prep is still kind of in a primitive phase where it's like you, you know, you harvest or you hunt and then maybe you like boil or you, you know, cook that food over a fire. And that's pretty much it. What if we used, you know, actual cooking techniques to produce other foods by processing base ingredients into other forms such as uh i think it's foxtail Foxtail? uh grain he uses foxtail millet yeah fox let's let's make foxtail millet into ramen noodles uh which yeah i mean that's if you're gonna convince people that you know science is worth it making better food is a pretty good way to go about it because everybody likes food. <laughs> and also... And also, like, this episode and, and the next episode... Just have, like... Uh, a lot of good... Doing science montages. <clears throat> uh, but in this case, it's Senku... Like... Basically doing agriculture and then... Cooking... Uh, which apparently Senku knows how to cook but yeah i uh I really enjoyed episode eight just just as a way of like uh, both introducing a different kind of science um because so far it's it's very much been like hard practical science of um you know making gunpowder and uh doing all that sort of stuff whereas You know, this episode is a reminder like, oh, yeah, cooking is also a science in itself. Um, Mm -hmm. And also just because it it brings in in the idea of Senku now needs to not just worry about science, but also needs to worry about his relationship with the villagers as well and needs to figure out diplomacy and and how to convince people that this is all worth it, Uh, which... Leads into episode 9, where they nearly have, uh, where they nearly come to blows. Oh, yeah. And and, all, and also introduce one of the shadiest characters so far <laughs> in uh, Gen Asagiri.
2: Well, yeah, because, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Gen Asagiri turns out he's one of the people that Tsukasa uh, revived when uh, Senku gave him the formula for the revival fluid. And, and so he's like, so nominally he's part of, uh, part of Tsukasa's army, except it looks like Senku's, uh, it looks like Senku's getting him on board. And the process by which he does
0: is kind of awesome. Yeah, so Gen, Gen's whole deal is like, okay, i I'm gonna side with, whichever kingdom seems to be benefiting me more and Ganonisili is like look science leads to some cool things but also it seems like a lot of hard work whereas the kingdom of the empire of might you know it's more primitive but I get to laze around all day and don't really have to do much um, so you know I'll I won't tell Sukasa where you are if you prove that like you you'll you'll be useful to me. And so Senku makes Senku makes electricity <laughs> by just like making a lightning rod, essentially, um putting copper wire around it. Uh and then Kohaku does this pretty rad thing where uh in order to get the lightning rod um made in time to actually catch the lightning storm she just takes um she takes a keen rose gold uh gold-plated spear uh mm-hmm. sticks it onto the makeshift lightning rod and does this cool like backflip and jams into the ground right as the lightning strikes uh which then fuses the copper wire onto i think the mm-hmm. it was an iron Yeah, it was an iron, uh, yeah, it was an iron, they made it, because, so one of the
2: things, the ramen, the ramen making, uh, the ramen making exercise, the whole point of that was to get enough people that they could, uh, that they could get Senku's iron processing, uh, iron processing thing working.
0: Oh, right, because they didn't have enough people to man the blowers, for the furnace to actually get it up to a high enough temperature to make the iron. Right. Now I remember.
2: Right. So so they managed to get enough iron. They they managed to get enough iron to make an they make an iron bar, but and so they use the copper they use like the copper and they turn into a lightning rod and all that in order to make an electromagnet. And and then
0: and then with the electromagnet Senku makes yeah, light. He, yeah, he makes he makes a very primitive like light bulb coil out of I think it was what bamboo fiber or something. Yes. Yeah uses uses bamboo uh, he uses bamboo as the filament
2: for his proto light bulb.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which one of the things I hope that this show will address because, like it, we're we're starting to get to the point where this will be a concern for technological advancement but like when he makes the light bulb he talks about how edison with the invention of the light bulb banished darkness from the world essentially uh and, and other artistic terms of phrase um it uh the show kind of transitioned to a montage scene of like the cities that used to exist in this world and um, like uh, Tokyo and then New York and how they were all uh, uh, all lit up with a bunch of buildings. And one of the things I'll be curious to see if this show touches touches upon and I'll kind of be disappointed if it doesn't is the idea of, okay, light is good, absolutely. Um, Electricity is a good thing. But also, like, will the kingdom of science make the same mistakes as previous civilizations did of overconsumption and over sprawl, and just nearly annihilating nature from the picture and just putting the environment, like the environment, totally out of whack uh, in the in the name of progress, and. The show has been pretty smart so far, so I feel like it would. But it's also been almost—it's also—it also feels like it's been incredibly optimistic and, uh, like pretty much entirely positive about scientific progress, just inherently. So I am a little worried it might gloss over that kind of thing. But um, I, I guess we'll see. Well, at this point in the story. They don't even have, they don't even have to have enough people to man a city. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, it is not something that I can see coming up very soon, but it feels like it's something that that they're gonna have to touch upon eventually, just by how fast they're progressing through technology. Like it, it's gonna be an issue that they're gonna have to tackle. Um. Of like what like how do we limit ourselves to to prevent us from doing the same things to the environment that previous that the previous civilization did well yeah
2: oh, of course another thing is is that you know uh, yeah the kingdom of science doesn't even have enough people for capitalism uh, which
0: I might argue is a good thing <laughs> Um, I mean, Sanku's making a pretty good anarchist commune right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, but the, but the whole thing is is that
2: with uh, is that a great you know one of the you know one of the forces leading to the uh, leading to the overconsumption and the, all the environmental the environmental uh, the environmental catastrophes. That we have is essentially uh, improperly regulated
0: capitalism. Yeah, that that is a good point. Yeah, if if Sanku society doesn't become a capitalist society the way we know it, and is uh, again like either and is some form of uh, anarchic uh, communist or market socialist society, then that sort of thing would be much less likely to become an issue just because the the market forces behind that overconsumption wouldn't really exist in the way that they do right now (laughs) well okay well okay like later in the manga
2: later in the manga they start getting into the development of capitalism but that's probably not going to happen until next season at the earliest
0: yeah i mean there's yeah that's the thing is like there's right now it's it's a pretty simple story um but eventually like as you begin building a civilization those questions become more and more complex (laughs) so you start having to get more and more into those ideas and exploring like you know what is a civilization like what is the right path to take do we want to just go down the same route our ancestors did at the risk of making the exact same mistakes or do we want to try structuring our society differently Well, um, you know while, while we have the opportunity to cuz like one of the big issues with America right now is it for, in in my opinion yes it would be great if we can we could transition into a market socialist society um you know, and and others would say, you know, eventually maybe even leading into a um, anarchic uh, society, but also like there's a lot of inertia built up just by how civilization, the like the country of America has been built up over the past God uh, two hundred or so years, uh, so it's it's very hard to make those kinds of, like, significant sweeping changes. Whereas when you're building society, civilization back from scratch, it's a lot easier to decide which route you want to go down when it's kind of a blank slate. <clears throat> uh, well, yeah,
2: with inertia, because... All right, so one of the things... One of the things that, because I, back in the day, I got a master's degree in economics. And one of the things I learned about in economics is about the, the concept of, uh, the concept of Pareto Optimal. Which is basically a, which is a, basically a measure of e- efficiency. And the efficiency of an allocation or whatever. Uh. The thing about the, the thing about the concept of uh, Pareto optimality is, it just takes like the initial allocation of resources as given, and doesn't and doesn't make any assumptions about like whether like the way these resources were allocated was correct or proper or just and. So the thing about the initial allocation of resources, and any kind of like measure of efficiency is it obscures the fact that any initial allocation of resources is basically the result of mountains of skulls, <laughs> and which is actually which is actually one of the points that Sukasa had made, and. Was actually the one that uh, probably I think Senku had the hardest time refuting, which is that, like one of the thing, one of the things that Sukasa one of his points was how you know if 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 uh, you know if you just use the revival fluid to like bring back everybody willy nilly, then what you're going to have is you're basically going to have people insisting insisting on you know keeping all their uh, you know keeping all their existing wealth and protecting themselves against competition
0: yeah and, and depending on who you revive well probably a lot of those people who insist on keeping their wealth their wealth a significant portion of it was likely not obtained through ethical means there was probably exploitation going on cuz There often is when you deal with people of privilege, right? (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, Sukasa. Like, even though he is ostensibly the villain, um, and I would, I would, you know, argue that at the very least he's an antagonist, and uh, he's he is, you know, I would consider him villainous. But he, his point, you know, is he's not wrong when he says that the the adults who were in control in the old world like actively and knowingly ruined were like actively and knowingly ruining the world for their own gain without care for what future generations would have to deal with he is 100 percent right about that uh and i don't think that's i think that's I don't think Senku would even try to argue that with him. Senku's whole deal is that he just doesn't agree that Tsukasa's way of solving that issue is the the correct or ethical way of, of actually deal, dealing with it. Yeah. Uh, one of the, uh, actually uh, It's weird that Dr. Stone is the thing that gets us to talk about philosophy and politics. Yeah. <laughs> This this is a manga
2: serialized in Shonen Jump. <laughs> Just goes to show you that uh, Doctor Stone, everybody, <laughs> they have really <laughs> they have really upped their game there.
0: But yeah, it's it it, it is a it is a a, a manga that even if it doesn't necessarily delve into those concepts directly, um, kind of like is almost implicitly about those questions. Cause it's a show where like, just based on its story, you know, tries to get you to ask the question, okay, well, where is Senku going to go next? And by asking that question, you know, you then think, okay, well, you know, how is Sanku going to structure his kingdom? And you get onto all these interesting questions about, you know, different political and economic structures. It's, there's a lot of fertile ground for really interesting conflicts that aren't, that don't have to be two dudes punch each other. Yeah. and so far, like, even with Sukasa on the scene, it largely hasn't been two dudes punch each other. Like, there, there hasn't really, there really only been two fight scenes. So yeah, I've, I'm really impressed by Dr. Stone. It's smarter than you'd think it would be. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'll, I'm going to give these episodes fives, honestly. I really like them all. Yep. I agree. Uh, all right. Let's move on to Fire Force. Episodes six through eight. Oh boy. This show's (laughs) been, this show's been pretty uneven, I think. Yeah. Um, so, episode six does finally end the Habana arc, uh, which, man, that was bad. Um, I, I talk about it a lot on Twitter, but I'll just, I'll summarize my thoughts here as well. Habana is just not a good antagonist, and this arc kind of traded in all the series' worst tendencies specifically regarding female characters because Hibana herself doesn't really have much of a character and her villainy isn't is like just barely justified and even then they don't draw a very convinc- convincing through line from Hibana's uh childhood at the uh um at the like church to where she ends up as, like, crazy eye lady who wants to burn people. Um, in addition, like, her plan isn't very interesting. The fight scene between her and Shinra is even pretty boring, where the whole fight scene is basically Shinra just doesn't do anything until the end when he snaps out of it and does things and then immediately wins. Um and they and Iris, who ostensibly should be a major character in this arc because she has a she's the only one with a direct connection to Habana like doesn't get anything to do, really. Like, she gets damseled, has her clothes burned off, and then waits to be rescued when finally at the end she gives a generic friendship speech. Pep talk to Hibana, and then if Hibana just joins their side, it's it's so sloppy and just so bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was uh, that was an underwhelming
0: that was an underwhelming episode. Yeah i I like the idea behind seven and eight more um and in fact i i did actually quite enjoy episode seven where we uh um get to see some of the some other characters um and like get into this sort of uh, internal investigation where they're trying to stealthily like um investigate uh the first to see uh if they're doing anything uh Uh, doing anything untoward (laughs) um and then episode eight where uh shinra and arthur like find out that someone is actually uh like deliberately turning people into infernals um starts out like actually pretty good and then just ends oh man i really hated how this ends but i'll 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 wait to get into that because i've ranted quite a bit already mm. about six. So uh, Ben, I'll let you talk about these two episodes first.
2: Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, like the, like, so like, like the guy, the, uh, yeah, they, so they introduce like, you know, these people at squad one plus, uh, plus there's also a couple like, uh, like, uh, people from other squads, uh, also sort of, sort of guest, uh, guest interning or something at, uh, at, at, uh, at the, at, at squad one. And, you know, and those, and you know, those characters, they've got potential. Like, uh, the captain of squad one, he look, he's, he seems interesting as if like he knows, you know, he knows some of what's up, but is, uh, you know, not ready to tell Shinra about it. Yeah. But, yeah, the way episode 8 ended, it with, uh, basically, uh, with, okay, the, uh, yeah, the traitor being, re- the traitor being revealed, like, in very short order, like, I mean, it was like, after two episode like, after two episodes of them infiltrating, the traitor is revealed, because he just, like, comes out and does his thing. Yeah, he just
0: shows himself, like, they, like <laughs> it's not like Shinra and Arthur figured out by, like, being smart and investigating and using their wits, like, he just reveals himself to Tamaki, and then Tamaki lights a signal, it's such an anticlimactic reveal, and it's capped off by this scene where Tamaki, who, for listeners who don't remember, um, tamaki is like the cat theme character who up until this moment has like her entire thing has been the fan service character where like she's she's used she has like the pervert luck where her like the her whole gimmick is it's supposed to be a joke where people are constantly accidentally like groping her and she's getting her clothing revealed and things like that and it's just kind of gross um so she has up until this point been a complete joke of a character like not treated seriously at all by the show basically used as an object and at the end of episode eight uh when the traitor is revealed who is this guy that tamaki has had a crush on uh the show spends like a real like a solid chunk of the ending like having this dude slowly beat her to near death uh and then she has to cry out for help uh so that our big bad hero shinra gets to descend on down and save the day and then the final shot of the show is like and they saved the some of the best animation in this episode for it uh Is Tamaki looking at the, staring at, staring into the camera, like her face visibly puffed and bruised from the beating she just endured, breaking down into tears because she got rescued and thought she was going to die, and it felt so gross. Oh, I oh god, (laughs) like I I've seen shows do really good crying scenes. Like Bakimonogatri has a really good crying scene when uh Are you
1: talking about um, Tsubasa Hanikawa?
0: Yes, hanikawa God. She's man, my brain is just totally out of it today. And you haven't even but had yeah, your when, birthday
1: cake yet. Yeah,
0: no, but yeah, when Hanekawa, like, has that scene in her uh, Subasa Tiger arc, where she breaks down and cries, like, that's actually a powerful scene, because that's earned. Like, Hanekawa is given an actual character and treated seriously by the show, so when she cries, it means something, whereas here, it just, like... The show didn't care about Tamaki at all up until this point. And now it's trying to use her to like, tug at your heartstrings and be like, oh thank god the hero came in time. It's just, uh, she's just being used as an object again, just in a different way. And it's so frustrating because I like so much about Fire Force. It has extremely high highs. I like Shinra as a character. I really like arthur as a character because he's such a lovable dork um and the fight scenes it has are good when it you know decides to have a fun villain to fight against but man like it makes such poor decisions sometimes especially regarding its female cast it's i very nearly just dropped it right at episode eight like i almost don't want to watch episode nine So, yeah, that's all I have to say. I think I probably said enough. Yeah, uh, I mean, I didn't... Uh, that's the thing. I didn't,
2: like... I didn't hate on it. Uh, I hate on this show as much as you did, but I was kind of underwhelmed. I think... Uh, yeah. uh Yeah, I was... I mean, I think what's getting me is that... What's getting me is that this show, like, moves way too fast. They just like—I mean, you—you know—you'd think that would be a good thing, but sometimes, sometimes it helps to have at least like a little more time to build things up before you, you know, before you go for broke.
0: Yeah, it, it's weird. It, it almost feels like it almost feels like, you know, oh gosh, what's his name? The, the writer of Soul Eater who also wrote this. Uh, Um, uh, Okubo. Yeah, Okubo. Um, it almost feels like Okubo gets an idea for a story arc and then gets bored of it like halfway through and is like, eh, let's just wrap this up so I can move on to something different. Like, like the, I mean, it, in Hibana's case, it worked out because I kind of wanted that arc to be over pretty much as soon as it started, um, so I'm glad that ended quickly. But you could have gotten a lot more out of out of this like uh, infiltration arc. Um, the, uh, I'm sorry, not infiltration, but an investigation arc. Um, and I can and I can definitely see a alternate reality where this is actually like. a like a really really good arc and um sort of brings the show back up to how much i liked it during those first couple episodes uh but yeah like the the reveal just happens way too soon and the way they they like throw a female character under the bus to do it is just such a bad idea (laughs) Man, I want to like this show, <laughs> but it makes it so hard sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll probably still watch episode nine just just to see if it gets better. Because yeah, I mean, I I really really want it to. Um, yeah. yeah if if well, if episode nine doesn't impress me, I may just not well, bother. Cause like, yeah. I could be watching more Demon Slayer. <laughs> Which is or which is actually a really good show. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think we, yeah, we kind of gave it short shrift after the first. I mean, we saw like the first couple episodes of the Demon Slayer. And we kind of gave it short shrift, but
0: it it's
2: really been bringing it.
0: Uh, yeah, I I think I I've been trying to watch it in in chunks to get back uh get back up to speed. But yeah, once once I've caught up, which um. Hopefully, I will uh, a couple weeks from now. Um, and maybe we should just start talking about that again. <laughs> well, yeah. Un- unfortunately, the season's going to be the season's going to be finished in a few weeks. Ah, uh, damn it! <laughs> Too late. Oh well. Well, I'm sure it'll get more. Yeah, I mean it's
2: uh, <laughs> yeah. Demon Slayer is also being serialized in Shonen Jump, and
0: uh, it's doing pretty decently. So, uh, and it's still going. Anyway, so yeah, I'm going to give, jeez, this is complicated. Uh, I'll give episode six a...
1: I'm going to give episode
0: six a one, episode seven a five, and episode eight a two. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to give episode six a two, episode seven a four, and and episode eight a three. Yeah, this the show is all over the map for for me, not not quite as much for you, but like even then you've got you know some peaks and valleys going on in your own scores. So yeah, very uneven show. Um, Now we're on to Grand Belm, episodes 7 through 9, which I was not able to catch up on, um, because I ended up getting hooked on Demon Slayer again and just spending all my time on that. So, uh, Larry and Ben, it's just you two again this week. Right, so, yes. so these episodes, okay, they, like,
2: episode 7 basically finishes off Anna, finishes off Anna's whole arc.
1: Yeah, finishes off Anna and makes her disappear from the world. Yeah, that's pretty much finishes her off.
2: Yeah, they, yeah, right. So, like, yeah, Anna, you know, okay, she takes, uh, she steals the, uh, she steals the family, her family's magic crystal, uh, you know, and is, like, like, powered up, powered up and ready to fight it out with, uh, fight it out with Shingetsu, and Shingetsu beats her, because... Even though Anna has got Anna has got like, like I mean, with her with her crystal, she's got amazing power. She just does not have the skill to back it up.
1: Yeah, she she doesn't have the magic to control the magic. Basically. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that 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 wipes out uh, episode seven. Right. Uh,
2: but but what's also been happening is what's also been happening. Is uh, this whole thing going on with uh, with the uh, the last uh, you know the last of the competitors? Uh, let's see. Uh,
1: yeah, Kuon and, and her sister.
2: Yeah. So yeah, Kuan he, he basically wants uh, basically wants to uh, you know to win the tournament win the tournament to have the magic to to heal her sister's curse. Uh, and she
1: show right. put on her.
2: Right. Well, or she thinks that she thinks that Suisho put the, um, the curse on her.
1: Um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty. Got it. Mindset that she's the one who did it. I'm. It's, it's pretty much explained. I think uh, to eat me, but the actually the eat me is a reversal. But we'll get into that. Right.
2: but yeah uh so yes, yeah, so uh, yes, yeah, sweet show is uh
1: really a piece of work, uh-huh, well, this is what happens when you come from a um minor mage family that nobody knows a whole lot about, so uh you want the world to remember who you are, so uh you uh you turn into uh yes a devil in disguise right and it's been well uh, Nene's discoveries and this and that and everything else kind of lead us to to the point where she figures out what Magnetsu is but I'm not sure what she is yet except unless she's the princess Mm -hmm. of the moon
2: Well, I think they're drawing this, they're drawing this out, I think they're drawing this out, however, there was one shot, like, I think there was one shot, like, the very end, uh, like, right after the end of the closing credits in episode, uh, in episode nine, uh, uh, showing, uh, showing Mangatsu's hands, uh, well, also turning more, like, doll-like. So, right because uh, like one of the one of like the question one of like the like hanging questions that's been through the whole series is that okay this tournament is taken up by people representing like clans of mages and you wonder like okay how did Mang- how did manga just like walk into this whole thing like where is she getting her magic from you know now, who, how did more she like who start? is she related to. Yeah, how did she have this magic, even if, you know, when she's, like, not related to any of these mage families? Or at least doesn't seem to be related to any of these mage families. So, like, what is her deal?
1: And Nene finds the magical large force field around her house protecting her and her sister.
2: Yeah. So, So, there's the implication that, yeah, there's something there's something very strange going on with, uh, with Mangetsu, and, and they're, they're sort of building up that as the mystery, and they're, they're sort of holding back on actually revealing, actually revealing it. I think it's probably not going to happen till next episode, um, episode
1: yeah. 10. Yeah, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, because 10's already aired. I'm trying to figure out how many episodes this is.
2: Uh, I suspect there's only like two or after episode 10, there's only going to be like two or three more episodes.
1: Well, that's, Which, what I'm looking, that's what I'm looking right now while you're talking.
2: Right. Which, and so uh, I think, uh, yeah, so Mangetsu's, uh, you know, Mangetsu's identity, uh, and I think that's, I suspect that's going to be the uh the big uh, that's gonna be the big thing that sets up like the like the final the final confrontation.
1: Well, it's at least twelve. I'm looking now because uh Annie list doesn't any list doesn't tell me how far it's going. It's got one of those hmm it's like wait a minute, don't hmm me, I'm not in a hmm mood. So you keep talking. All in all,
2: I think this has been a pretty interesting bunch of stuff. I'm giving these episodes fours.
1: Yeah, I can, I can pretty much uh, figuring out who's who, what's what, and surprising that they're still working together. And that's maybe I don't know. See, it's supposed to be the uh, most competent mage, but you know the description of the series of what I've read. Isn't like well, yeah. You know, we're not sure. We're not sure if it could be more than one mage.
2: Ah, uh, so yes, uh, yeah. Another thing. Another f- fun thing is that yeah, Dusty's connection has been going in and out all day, and we're just about done talking about Elm.
1: Ah, speak okay, of, de- there speak we of go. devil. We can hear you. Can right. you hear us?
0: Yes. Yay! Okay. We're done with it. So I think, uh, now... God, we're almost done here. Uh, Lord L. Malloy, um, episodes seven through nine. I, I give Gramplin fours. Keep going. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this is the start of the, uh, Rail Zeppelin arc, uh, which is apparently six episodes long, so it's gonna pretty much take up the, the rest of this season. Um... This is a really good arc. It also... I was not expecting them to bring friggin' Olga Marie from Fake Grand Order into this. And yet, here she is. All your alternate timelines belong to us. Yeah, good good ol' animusphere. Um... But yeah, so this, this arc takes place on a train, as all good murder mysteries do. Um... And it starts with Olga's, I think, sister. Is it um, getting murdered mysteriously, and her head like disappeared somewhere? Well, uh,
2: well, uh, yeah. Well, the context for this is that the uh, what's happening on board the train is an auction of uh, magic eyes, which. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Eyes. they yeah, so they've been they've been building up like how various people have these eye powers uh you know some of which are good and some of which are
0: bad and and of course uh yeah, which is which is also a thing in yeah. Suki. And of course,
2: you know, Waver's on the train, you know, not cuz he cares about any not cuz he cares about any of these mystic eyes, but Because uh, he's looking for uh, Iskandar's relic.
0: So he can summon him again. Yeah. Uh, And he kind of finds Iskandar, or at least his chariot. (laughs) Uh, uh, Instead he finds... Oh, what's the servant name? Hephaestion, right. So he basically in their search for whoever murdered I think her name Trisha, is Trisha. Yeah. um uh he discovers Hephaestion, who uh, was a servant that was summoned uh and Hephaestion is able to summon a like weird uh like uh iron steelworks version of um of Iskandar's chariot uh and very nearly defeats um and kills uh, uh waver, though um Grey is able to save him. Uh but he but ba- Waver is basically taken out for episodes eight and nine. Yeah. And Right, and you get to know some of the other people on the train, like that priest dude. That priest dude was pretty cool. Oh yeah, he's dope. Uh, The ones uh, he had the like um, the swords that appeared in Fate Apocrypha. Those like uh, magic swords. I cannot remember what they are called. The Black Keys, I think. Um, yeah, he uses them to disrupt the ley lines in episode 9 to free them all from the d- evil forest. Right, and he, well, he's on the train <laughs> yeah. because he actually wants to get rid of his own mystic eyes because he finds
2: them to be a curse.
0: Hmm. Oh, right, yeah. I totally forgot that he mentioned that, well, that's what his deal was. There were a lot of characters introduced. I, uh, <laughs> kind of lost track of some of them. Um... And then you have the the lady with the um, artificial eye, the stone one, that she can use to light fires. I cannot remember what her name is, but she's pretty fun. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you're introduced to an even larger cast of characters. Um, and episode, of, episode 9 is pretty fun as well, where the train gets interrupted by the aforementioned evil forest uh and some no-name mages go out um i'm sure they're powerful and all but they don't get names because they get immediately murdered by the evil forest after trying to burn it down um and then everybody's like well that clearly didn't work (laughs) so let's try something different uh olga marie hides in her room because she's a coward uh And so it's up to Gray and the other members of the train who actually got names uh, to go outside and disrupt the ley lines and free them all. Uh, And during the process, uh, Gray throws down with Hephaestion again in the middle of a snowstorm. And uh, Episode 9 ends with an avalanche happening as Gray and Hephaestion continue to fight. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm looking, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I enjoyed these episodes, but, I enjoyed these episodes quite a bit, but,
0: I want Waver back, come on, bring him back, I need him back on the scene. Yeah, yeah, same, um, I don't have a lot to say about these episodes, they're not really things that I feel a whole lot of desire to go deep dive on, but I'm, I'm, they're fun episodes, uh. But yeah, I, uh, I, I do want Waver back. Um, as much as I like the idea of Grey kind of having to figure out how to like make decisions on her own without having Waver to fall back on, um, I do hope he comes back by next episode and recovers. Uh, but I am liking all these characters from disparate parts of the Fate universe kind of being... Forced into close proximity to interact with each other, it's it's a lot of fun. It's almost like a greatest hits version of the Fates universe. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I'll, I'm. Uh. Yeah, I, I think I'm actually going to give all these episodes fives. Like, I don't really have any issues with them. Um, even though I would like Waver to return, I don't think it hurts episode nine that he's not there. Um, I think it's a nice shakeup of the formula that leads to some good development for Gray. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I've I've I don't really have any major complaints yep, about any I of it. I agree. This is this has been a this has been a great show. Yeah, watch. Yeah, watch Lord Elmoloy. It's secretly one of the best fate shows. And even though I like Last Encore more, still, it's probably a less controversial <laughs> show than Last Encore is, uh, so, yeah, I I can imagine this being, like, just overall the best Fate show. I'm actually liking it more than Last Encore. Um, yeah, that, that's not, that's not surprising. I think I'm kind of in the minority in terms of thinking Last Encore is the best one, um, but, I mean, Lord Elmoloy gives it very good competition. Uh, So, Larry and Ben, I think it's time for you to finish this up by talking about CopCraft episodes 7 through 9. Yeah, once again, once again, this episode, these episodes have,
2: like, the weirdest, the weirdest story structures Uh, going. Because, like, okay, episode, episode 7 is, has the, you know, episode 7 is about them uh, busting a uh, busting a prostitution ring and finding out that uh, one of the Johns who uh, who like you know tried to put the moves on uh, tried to put the moves on Tilarna who was working undercover uh yeah was a uh was
1: a candidate uh, yes, for an mayor aspiring
2: poli- yeah. a politician who's running for running for mayor of, of Santa Teresa or, or uh yeah Santa. Yeah. Uh
1: Island, whatever. Right.
2: Yeah. And so, like, okay. You know, so, like, you know, they're, you know, they bust this, they bust this guy, but, you know, if they're having trouble, you know, actually, like, for some reason, they're having trouble, you know, actually bringing him to trial. And.
1: Well, we get a dose of uh, fake news in this episode. <laughs> right. We we get show we get showed how well fake news can mess people's minds up. Yeah, because, uh... <clears throat> right. But they don't they don't have enough to bust him yet, but the uh, candidate for mayor's wife seems to be um, quite interested in making sure that uh, he has a future. <sighs> And that's where, that's where we move into episode eight.
2: Uh, actually we, that's, uh, actually we don't, that's the thing, is that, what episode, episode seven was actually a standalone episode with a very unsatisfying conclusion, cause it's just, they, uh, yep. cause it's just like, okay, like after the, bu- after the bust, after the bust, uh, mm-hmm. you know, after, after the prostitution ring is busted, uh. You know, Talarna actually becomes friends with uh, one of the prostitutes, who's an aspiring photographer. Uh, and you know, well, well, like, you know, this uh, this woman named Zoe. You know, and it turns out Zoe had uh, had access the client list of the prostitution ring, and was sort of uh, basically leaking it to uh, leaking it to the uh, the mayoral candidate, uh, it's called blackmail, right, you know, yeah, except, uh, so yeah, then what it turns out is that the, uh, like the politician's wife hires a hitman who guns the, who, uh, guns Zoe down (laughs) with, well,
1: uh, Zoe ends up quite dead, right, yeah, and of course, Kate kills the Kate kills the gunman, so they can't get any information out of him. So it leaves them all with their thumbs in the air, trying to figure out who shot John. Yeah, why.
2: and yeah.
1: Or in this case, who? And shot And there, the anymore.
2: episode ends with like the whole with like the whole case hanging, left hanging. Yeah, hanging.
1: but it picks up a nine sort well, of, but the eight's in the middle, eights, eights, where she and the cat switch bodies, right?
2: Well. Yeah, except it, except this is where the weird plot structuring comes in. In that it's uh, the the whole cat, the whole like cat, the whole uh, cat body switch thing uh, takes up all of episode eight and half of episode nine, mm-hmm. uh, which which is like really weird.
1: Well, and then at the after she unswitches from the cat and gets things straightened out and almost kills the guy that was uh trying to get the artifact that made her do the body swap in the first place, then we get to the end of it where uh the mayor candidate and the mayor's wife and so that loops us back in right yeah, I know it 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 was it was it. I guess if 8 hadn't made its way into 9 or a little bit into 9, it wouldn't have been bad, but 8 taking up half of 9 and then getting us to a cliffhanger of sorts with a relatively ragged edge. Yeah, Yeah. I mean Yeah, I mean, Um, like there's some
2: good stuff in these episodes, but I think the way the, the way the the, uh, the way this show like sort of structures and presents this story, it prevents it from achieving its full potential.
1: Yeah. So overall value of the three, I give a same three. here. Uh, we get any questions from the boy boss?
0: Uh, yeah, we got a couple. Um, first right. one from uh, uh, Shane Reha, at Riha Shane. Uh why does Fire Force feel so weird and and toned top to bottom? Um I do not know. Was Soul Eater like that? Is that just like this is just is that just Okubo's thing? No. Does this make a wildly tonally inconsistent story? Uh no. As I recall now, Soul Eater was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure why a fire force is like that. They're, honestly, they're done. They're done by. Uh, well, they're done by different studios. I think. Uh, y- yeah, I know David Production is handling this, but generally David Production is. Well, I guess um, is this still, so? It was written by Okubo, but is this like an anime original, or was there also a manga for it? No, no,
2: uh, no. This is based on a manga that was written by Okubo.
0: Okay, yeah. Like, I haven't read the manga, but game of production tends to be pretty faithful to the source material. Um, definitely, at least for JoJo, which worked both for and against them. Because <laughs> <laughs> JoJo itself has some uh, problematic elements in it. Um, but I, I feel like I wouldn't necessarily put the blame entirely on... um on David production because I feel like they're probably being about as faithful to fire force as they were for Jojo. Uh, can we blame this on the committee? I don't know. Um, it's, it's definitely weird because I've, I've certainly never really heard that complaint about soul eater before. Um, the particular issues with Fire Force seem to be largely unique to it outside of some of the fan service elements, which apparently also happened to Soul Eater, but in different degrees. Uh, not nearly as much. Okay.
2: Soul Eater had... So yeah, I don't... Like, Soul Eater had one, one panty shot of Maka
0: the entire oh, show. okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah, Fire Force has already done a lot more than that. <laughs> I mean, they had... Yes, I don't know. I mean, okay, they had...
2: Like, Soul Eater had Blair... Had Blair, like, yes, like the cat... Uh, the magical cat witch. Uh, you know, who basically... Who... Well, okay, she basically... Like, after, like, the first episode, she mostly just, like, sat around and looked sexy, but didn't really do anything. Uh, yeah. And... You know, and there was you know, Arachne was well, mostly well well sat you know, was basically, you know, looking sexy while plotting evil. Um but uh, but didn't really you know but didn't really, you know, show any didn't really show any uh any naughty bits. So yeah, Soul Eater
0: not nearly not nearly as much of the fan service. Yeah. So I don't know why Fire Force is like it is. Maybe it's trying to play more toward, you know, in stereotypes, maybe to try and get more eyeballs. I don't know. I, I feel like it's tough to know the soul of Okubo in this scenario. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's making Fire Force as weird as it is. Um, yeah. I, and then we have uh, not familiar, from, not familiar uh, with the
2: original manga, so I couldn't tell you.
0: Yeah, neither am I. And then we have from uh, at Bayonetta Main. Uh, are you watching Symphogear? Yes. No, I am not. Uh, Larry is. Um, I I have attempted to watch Symphogear before, and I, you know, Godspeed to the people who enjoy that show. Uh, there are a lot of people I know who really love it. But I was never really able to get hooked by its particular brand of silliness.
1: Well, I'm only totally hooked by its particular brand of music.
0: I am currently behind on it, but I plan to catch up soon.
1: So what's the yeah. question?
0: I'm I'm glad it I'm glad there's more of it for the people who like it though because it does seem like a a, a pretty a pretty good show. Uh, or at the very least, it's a it's a very positive and and good thing. Well, Um, it's just not my cup of tea.
1: It's in its fifth season, so it's like, you know, yeah, it's got something. Because every time somebody says the word simple gear, the the needle moves. And if you throw it in in the grand world of anime, that says something for it
0: uh anyway um my uh my parents are getting frustrated that i'm spending uh all my birthday recording a podcast instead of actually celebrating with them so that'll be it for this episode of pocketcast uh, i have been your host dustin um you can follow me at Still's the gm ben. and you can follow me on twitter at DeathSlinky.
1: And you guys know how to uh, follow me, but not too close because I'm not sure if I paid my insurance this month or not.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you have any questions or comments to uh, give us, you can uh, leave those. You can also leave those at our blog at projectharhi.net or uh, audioentropy.com. Ben, Dustin, three, two, one, get a
1: yeah, anime is a good thing to watch and while I'm at it I want to give a shout out for two people who I know just started listening to the podcast uh, Jer, Joe yeah it really is me sorry bye bye
0: also I apologize <laughs> watch Vinland Saga <laughs>